Today is Friday, April 23rd, and you're listening to the morning announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm Sammy Sage. The biggest headline of the day is that yesterday the House of Representatives voted 216 to 208, along party lines, of course, to make Washington, D.C. the 51st state. Of course, it lacks 60 votes in the Senate to clear a filibuster, but you'll have to talk to Joe Manchin about that. Better Senate news, they approved legislation yesterday aimed at strengthening federal efforts to address hate crimes directed at Asian Americans. The vote was 94 to 1, and I'll let you guess who was the lone no vote. Okay, fine, you don't have to guess. It was Josh Hawley. The bill was sponsored by Senator Maisie Hirono and will establish a position at the Justice Department to expedite the agency's review of hate crimes and expand channels to report them. It will also encourage the creation of state-run hate crime hotlines, provide grant money to law enforcement agencies to train their officers to identify hate crimes, and introduce a series of public education campaigns around bias against people of Asian descent. This bill comes as a tax against Asian Americans, often women or older people, have increased nearly 150% in the past year. President Biden is expected to recognize the mass killing of Armenians by the Ottoman Empire during World War I as a genocide. This is significant because it breaks with past U.S. foreign policy of presidents generally not acknowledging the genocide for the sake of maintaining positive relations between the U.S. and Turkey. This would mark the second time the Biden administration has formally declared a genocide at the risk of alienating a major power, the first one being China and their treatment of Uyghur Muslims. I mean, what is really the point of being the supposed number one country in the world if you're not even allowed to say what you really think? Yesterday, the Supreme Court came out with a new ruling in the case of Jones v. Mississippi with the majority decision penned by Brett Kavanaugh. The specific decision involved a case concerning a teenager who killed his grandfather and dealt with the issue of whether harsh punishments should be inflicted on minors. In the past, the court has limited the availability of the harshest penalties for crimes committed by minors, first by striking down the juvenile death penalty and then by restricting sentences of life without the possibility of parole for juveniles. In this new decision, the Supreme Court ruled that judges do not need to officially determine that juvenile offenders are beyond hope of rehabilitation, which is known as permanent incorrigibility, before sentencing them to die in prison. For context, Mississippi is one of only a half dozen states that do not require an explicit finding of permanent incorrigibility prior to sentencing a juvenile to life in prison without parole. And lastly, yesterday, a group of Senate Republicans unveiled an infrastructure plan with a much smaller price tag and a more narrow definition of infrastructure than what President Joe Biden has proposed. The Republican plan cost $568 billion over five years, compared to the $2.3 trillion that Biden has called for spending over eight years. One of the biggest differences is how to fund the plans, with Biden's intention to fund his with corporate tax increases and the Republican plan relying on user fees, including for electric vehicles, and on redirecting unspent federal dollars. However, their plan does not offer specifics. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki characterized the Republican plan as a legitimate starting point for negotiations, and President Biden intends to invite Republicans to the White House to discuss the proposals, though the administration has made clear that they're willing to use the budget reconciliation process to bypass Republicans altogether if necessary. You know, it really is music to my ears to hear that the Democrats have grown a pair. 
Thank you for listening to the morning announcements. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to show your support, head over to our iTunes feed to rate, review, and subscribe, or follow this podcast if you're listening on Spotify. For our episode of Afternoon Tea this week, I interviewed Holly Whitaker, author of Quit Like a Woman, to learn about the female-centric approach to sobriety that she created and shed light on how recovery techniques have been driven by patriarchal ideas in the past. You can find each new episode of the Afternoon Tea on Fridays in the Betcha Sup podcast feed. If you haven't heard what Afternoon Tea is about, every week I sit down with some of the most interesting people in politics and media to chat about the things we care about most. So be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen and stay tuned for a quick teaser from today's new episode. Until next week, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Could you tell us how you basically founded your theory of how to become sober and what your organization, Tempest, does? Tempest takes into consideration all of you. And so everything that exists within your environment, within your, within your thoughts, within your physical self, within uh, your relationships, the whole picture of you, we drink because of the, the richness and the fullness of who we are. And therefore, when recovering, that has to be taken into consideration. And so we take this holistic view in that everything counts to determine the success of your recovery, because all of that contributed to your addiction. And then the other piece of it is that it has to really be centered in your own experience and decision making. What we've really tried to instill is this idea that agency or the choices of your own path and your own healing are what make healing work. Creating a space where those that are suffering decide what their healing will look like instead of being told what their healing should look like. Betches.